Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And you're listening to The Spooky Hour. Welcome to episode 20. Episode freaking 20. We have been doing this for 20-ish weeks. 20 feels like a big one to me. I know. It's like, well, it's an even number, so... <laughs> That's exactly why it feels like a big one to me. I, Not at all the blood, sweat, and tears we put into this. That too. <laughs> just, just an even number. That's all I got. So we have, we both apparently have huge stories today. So we're going to keep the banter pretty short today. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. Well, I had a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoy Me too. It. I'm excited. I did something special for episode 20. I hope everyone likes it. Oh my God. If it's a reference for 420, I love you. Oh my god, I should have thought of that. It's not. I'm sorry. (laughs) How dare you? Neither is mine, but whatever. Disappointing. (laughs) So we just wanted to thank you guys for listening. As always, you guys are awesome. We love you guys. But if you are participating in any of the protests that are happening, we have quite a few within um, Toronto and the greater Toronto area. And we know it's supposed to be hella warm this weekend. So we hope you guys are keeping extra hydrated. You're putting your sunscreen on. Holly's making fun of me. (laughs) Um, This is take two. That's that's all I'm saying. It it is. Um, (laughs) But yeah, stay hydrated. Keep your sunscreen on. Um, make your voices extremely loud, but also remember that COVID is still a thing. So wear your mm-hmm. masks, but thank you for going out and participating. Doing the damn thing. Yeah. yeah. Just stay safe. Uh, try to stay as legal as you can as well. We don't want anybody getting in trouble. Um, there's, there's still a lot of work to be done. Keep fighting the good fight. Yep. Thank you for participating with us this week. Yep. It's a shame that it took all of this protests and riots to get to where we are right now but the fight still isn't done so just remember to be vigilant um keep up with it do your education educate your fellow peers and Mm -hmm. do play your part this is far from over and that's it that's all i got do the damn thing guys do it um and with that i guess we'll start episode 20 you're welcome it's only a three minute banter this is our shortest one yet yeah (laughs) Because I'm so excited to get into this. So, uh, like I said, episode 20 feels important to me. So I wanted to do something kind of fun. And I'm stealing some vibes from Danielle this week. Uh, Today, I'm going to talk about a few cases that were solved by psychics. People who had visions or premonitions or whatever you want to call them that led to either the discovery of a victim or solving the whole dang case. Oh, my God. I love this already. These are my vibes. I love it. I saw, like... So usually when I do my research, I search up like crazy true crime stories. And then this was like solved with a twist or some shit. And I was like, oh, genius. It came to me and I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> it was like so an I've epiphany. Always, what is, yeah, it, literally. That's how my writing process works. I just get struck by like a stroke of genius. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm talking about my ass, guys. Um, so I've always been super interested in psychics. Uh, most of them are very obviously crocs of shit. So when you go to like the flea market or the fair or something, they use like certain words to like lead you into a story essentially. And Danielle falls for all of them. Every single they're, one of them. They're really good at what they do. They basically just say like, I sense a male. And someone would be like, oh my God, my dad died. And then they would like feed off of that. Like it's... Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to watch when you know they're being fake. However, these stories are pretty freaking real. Uh, now, to play devil's advocate, we could say that maybe these people were involved in the murder somehow. But for the most part, the psychic doesn't even know the victim or that the case even exists. Take that as you will. So the first story is about Melanie Uribe. Melanie worked as a nurse at a hospital in Burbank, California. According to those who knew her, she was super punctual, reliable, someone you could always count on type of thing. Uh, she was a single mother of an eight-year-old boy and an all-around hard worker. When she didn't show up for work on December 15th, 1980, without letting anyone know, her co-workers were immediately worried. They called her home and got no answer and then alerted the police right away. Overnight, she became front page news. So that's that's how punctual she was. Imagine being that good of a worker. Not I. <laughs> I hope I'm like that at my work. But honestly, they'd probably just be like, uh... They'd she... probably just replace you before they even, like, filed a police report. <laughs> Fuck, yes. Yeah, amen to that. They definitely would. Um, so witnesses had said they'd seen Melanie being forced into a truck that was driven by two people. Um, so these witnesses were the last people to see her alive. So in comes Etta Smith, who worked as a shipping clerk for the giant Lockhead Aerospace plant, which was a very respectable job at the time. She had, like, high security clearance, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, on December 17th, 1980, she was listening to the story about Melanie Uribe's disappearance, and she was overcome by what she called a vision in her head. She described seeing a winding road that led to a canyon, shrubbery, hills, and then to something white. She could see the body of Melanie Uribe in this vision. Uh, and keep in mind, she was listening to the story on the radio, so she doesn't even know what this girl looks like. She just saw a body of a girl. And did she, um, was she, like, previously a psychic, or this was, like, her first time being, like, what the hell's going um, on? I talk about it a little bit at the end. She okay. was, like, she sort of had, like, a, a spiritualist vibe, but she didn't really start honing it until this time. Okay, so she had that energy there. She just didn't know what yeah. to do with it. Yeah, she, she speaks about, like, being a kid. We'll get there. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Um, so she didn't know the exact location of the body, but she said she could, quote, feel how it had gotten there. So she felt that there was a struggle and a fight that led to her being brought there. Um, Smith left work immediately and went to the police to report what she saw. She wasn't certain if the girl was alive or not and urgently demanded that police look into the case. Uh, the local police had not previously worked with psychics and were rightly skeptical of her story. But because of her security clearance at her respectable job, they thought that they should look into it. So that's <laughs> police work for you. Um, that's kind of crazy that, like, I wouldn't even know what to do. That, like, how do you If she worked that? at Walmart, they wouldn't look into it. Like, like that's what I mean. Like, imagine, like, going to a police station and be like, so, just hear me out. I had a vision, and that's all I got. <laughs> Trying to explain that to them. Yeah. I, I know it's, I, I won't say it's popular, but it happens quite a bit. Um, I have three cases today, and all three of the people I speak about work with police stations now. Oh, wow. So it's it's an interesting... It's not popular. I won't say it's like, you know, every police station has a psychic, but it's but common. It's just... it's But, like, police are supposed to follow up with every single lead, and this is technically a lead. Well, uh, again, playing devil's advocate, so she's like a crazy lady and she killed her, and she's going to the police officer saying, hey, I had a vision, there's a body here. As a police officer, being a realist, he would go, well, obviously she's a crazy person and she killed this girl and that's where the body is. You know what I mean? True. Like, There's that that part. They yeah. might not necessarily think she's a psychic, but maybe, like I said, she could be involved. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so fearing that the police would take too long to get there, Smith took matters into her own hands and drove out to Lopez Canyon, which is above Lakeview Terrace, uh, within 45 minutes of leaving the police station. As she approached the location with her niece and two young daughters, which was a really odd choice to me. Why Let's go body them? hunting kids. Like, yeah. um, what are we so doing this was... Saturday? We're going to go find a body. <laughs> yeah, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Science. She was overcome by what she described as a feeling of trauma. Um, and that's when her daughter noticed Melanie's white nursing shoes underneath a bush. Uh, her mother was right. And they had found the missing woman's body. Later, an autopsy would reveal that she had been beaten, raped, and died of blunt force trauma to the head. Um, and as if it wasn't bad enough, she was also robbed. Um, wow. Yeah, just disrespect, man. Um, Edda Smith was actually arrested for the murder of Melanie Uribe, which leads back to my theory that I was talking about. And she was held barefoot in a cell for 24 hours without food or water for doing the police's job for them. Um, and detectives were certain she would break and admit to the murder since she could not explain her precise knowledge of the location of the body. So I guess they thought they could torture it out of her. Um, Great police work. Good job. <laughs> the real killers, two 17-year-old boys by the name of Louis Carnell Morgan and Spencer Nelson, were driving the truck the witnesses reported seeing and had been bragging about the killing. Eventually, word got out that they were the real killers, and both men confessed to the murder after they were arrested, and Etta was released on December 21st, 1980. My birthday. Which, yeah, great day. Um, so Smith does not actually confess uh claim to be a psychic um however she this this girl's weird she says she's not a psychic in one article but then she talks about her like psychic abilities yeah. <laughs> and she i'm pretty sure she still works with the police too so anyways um she described her vision as a powerfully unusual experience or sort of like a one-off chance however she did say she's had quote odd feelings about future events as a little girl um following her mistreatment by police she won a civil lawsuit against the department and was awarded compensation good for her good. um and like I said, even though she's not a psychic, she does continue to work for police departments as she's honed in on her abilities. Um, but yeah, that's the first that's one. absolutely crazy. And I was like thinking maybe she brought like um, her daughter and her niece with her as like kind of like to be like, maybe if I bring them, I have like a witness to be like, hey, I didn't do it. 
Yeah, like an alibi sort of. That, yeah, I see that. Like maybe that was her reasoning behind. She didn't really have anyone else to bring. I don't know. Or just straight up couldn't find a babysitter. That, mm. <laughs> that too. It's just like an urgent, like, let's go find a body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So next on this crazy list is a well-known psychic named Christy Robinette. Um, I found several cases that she helped solve, but for the sake of time, I've picked only one to talk about today. Definitely look her up though, because she's got some of the craziest ones I've seen. Um... The case revolves around the disappearance of Ashley Howley. In June 2004, the then 20-year-old woman filed a police report against her boyfriend. Um, Different articles say he was an ex at the time, but it kind of goes back and forth depending on which news outlet you look at. So Mm -hmm. someone she had dated at some point. Um, So she alleged that he was assaulting her and filed paperwork against him, and she disappeared later that day. Interesting how that works out. Fishy. (laughs) Um, In 2005, so... The next year, I don't know if it's a full year yet, um, Christy Robinette was asleep in her bed when an eerie woman came to visit her. She had seen spirits before, but she said this one looked off to her. Other spirits looked like regular people to her, but this one was pale and gray and looked unwell, I guess, for lack of a better term. (laughs) Yeah. Looked looked like a corpse. Yeah. Um, Robinette went off the assumption that the spirit was not at peace and had not crossed over to the other side, and that's why she looked gray and gaunt and stuff like that. Um, the spirit told Robinette that she had been murdered and needed her remains found in order to cross over. The spirit had blonde hair and Robinette used that to do a Google search for a missing blonde woman in the area where she discovered a picture of Ashley Howley and knew right away that that's who was at the foot of her bed that night. That's crazy that you can just determine by like, hey, she has blonde hair. She like saw the woman's face at the end of her bed or whatever. So she Mm. like searched through every blonde woman that was missing in whatever radius she looked at and she saw ashley howley and she was like oh shit that's the one kind of thing that is like to have that ability must be like so rewarding but also so terrifying yeah the the um the last story i talk about um i didn't go too much into what he said in interviews but he said like it's just exhausting all the time and he wishes he could turn it off but at the same time he's doing good so why should he like be ashamed of this gift kind of thing yeah it's interesting i'm sure it is exhausting to have people constantly like from the other side that you can't see or like may or may not be there kind of thing just constantly yelling at you or whatnot yeah yeah but yeah howley's spirit visit her visited her several times and insisted her killer be brought to justice uh robinette said the spirit had a hard time communicating and it took a long time to get her message across but finally the spirit gathered the power to say that her boyfriend was her killer the same boyfriend she filed charges against the day she went missing uh, so Robert P. McMichael was said boyfriend. Uh, Robinette described the spirit as being revengeful. She wanted this man charged and she was not a peaceful spirit by any means. Uh, so she wasn't like, you know, violent. She didn't hurt her, but she was very obviously uh, not at rest. Yeah. yeah. After contacting the police and providing information, such as a description of Howley's clothes as they appeared to her in spirit form, police put Robinette in contact with Howley's family and they began investigating mostly without the police's help. Um, Ashley continued to visit Robinette fairly regularly through the next few years and presented images of, quote, light-colored pines where her body was hidden. 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 (laughs) Hidden. Uh, Robinette uh, said she took a trip to Columbus, Ohio with a relative of Howley's. They were stopped by a park ranger where they were looking through, like, the, the brush area. And they asked the park ranger if they knew of any forested areas with light-colored pines. The ranger pointed them in the right direction. And upon arrival, Robinette said she could feel that this was the spot where Ashley Howley was buried. Unfortunately, authorities wouldn't let them dig because it was on a private property. And yeah. unfortunately, I feel that this is here is not a good enough excuse to dig up someone's yard. Um, however, two years later, McMichael, who was the ex-boyfriend, was arrested for the murders of his mother and her boyfriend. They were both found in their home. His mother was strangled and her boyfriend was beaten to death with a shovel. Um, while on trial for those murders, he had confessed, confessed to the killing of Ashley Howley as part of a plea deal. If he revealed the location of Howley's remains, he would not get the death penalty. McMichael gave the police the burial location, and if you can believe it, it was right where Robinette had been overcome with emotion, uh, the spot that she'd pointed out to police, I think, three years prior, <laughs> and it was that spot. And um, if they just ha- listened to her, the other people would yeah. be alive. Unfortunately, like, legally, they can't dig up private property like that just because someone has a hunch, but yeah. like, damn. 
Like that's so stressful. <laughs> um, Hallie's remains were found on April fourth, two thousand and eight, near State Route three fifteen on the city's north side. According to prosecutors, Hallie's remains were found encased in quick cement. Um, so he not only buried her, he encased her in cement. Hmm. Uh, McMichael was charged with all three murders and is serving life in prison without the possibility of parole. Uh, Christy Robinette has sis- since worked on other investigations, all without being paid, which she says is because law enforcers don't want to deal with, quote, a backlash from taxpayers for using mystics in their investigations. But I mean, at this point, my good sis has proved herself multiple times, and I think they should cut her a paycheck. Like, she's solved, I think, three cases just in the one list I read were this woman. Yeah, she's doing your guy's job, so homegirl deserves a paycheck. I, I I haven't confirmed, but I would feel like the family would maybe pay her. I would hope. Yeah. Do something, um, at least. But, like, I mean, she's still working with them for free. I wouldn't. Not me. <laughs> at that point, it's kind of like she's just trying to, like, help the families more than help the police in that sense. I would hope. Yeah. But, unfortunately, in doing so, she has to help the police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no one's paying her for it. Um, so the last case comes from Ireland, which is yet another nod to Danielle. Yeah. And features well-known UK psychic Dennis McKenzie. Ooh. Dennis says that from uh, his earliest childhood, he could see and hear things that were invisible to others. He said, quote, my first memory of a psychic experience was when I was recovering from a burn in a hospital when I was four. A special nurse used to come and sit by my bed at night, giving me the feeling of total calm. It wasn't until years later that I realized she came from the spirit world. Uh, Mackenzie is another one with multiple cases under his belt, but today we're going to talk about the disappearance of 17-year-old Richard Kelly. Um, Richard Kelly was last seen alive in April 2006, and it was feared that he was abducted by a drugs gang in South Hill where he lived with his mother, Mary. Uh, He was sort of a troublemaker, but never really got into serious crime until he allegedly stole a car belonging to a local gang that was full of drugs. Uh, He was last seen in the passenger seat of a car being driven by an unknown driver. Uh, so it sounds kind of kidnappish to me. Yeah, a little bit. In comes our psychic. Uh, Richard Kelly's mother, Mary, came to a reading with Dennis, and he instantly picked up that she was worried about a missing child. So without her saying anything to him, he's like, you're here because your kid's missing. That's so um, weird. Yeah, I know. It shivers up your spine. Dude, because I did this episode, I watched like five hours of the Long Island Medium, and it's just wild. I was like, just going to say. Like, she just walks in a room. She's like, who's mom's dead? Like, just so casual. Everyone just, like, um, slowly raises their hand. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, so Dennis felt sure that Richard had been killed in April 2006 on or around the day he went missing by a gang who hit him in the head with a concrete slab. So that was the feeling he got just by looking at Mary. Okay. Um, after this initial meeting, he began to work with Mary on the case for free, um, which is something he always does. Uh, he actually solved a murder involving two young girls before this one. And when asked if the families compensated him, he said, quote, I'd never charge a man for telling him his daughter is dead. So he seems like... What a genuine human being. Yeah, a nice dude. Um, and like I said, some of his interview clips, he's like, he seems like he's sort of struggling with his gift a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he, he's an older man now and he still says, like, I hate it, basically. Um, but he's still making good with it. So that's, that's kind of cute, right? Right. <laughs> he visited Ireland. So he, I think he was from, uh, like, like Britain or something. Like he wasn't from Ireland. Okay. So he ended up, uh, visiting Mary there. Um, he visited Ireland and used his ability to identify a bridge where he believed Richard was killed. Repeatedly, he came up with the name Bridget, um, spelled B-R-I-G-I-D and the words quote dyke and quote Bodyke. Um, so those words just repeatedly came to him. Okay. Uh, in no context, just he saw these words for whatever reason. Um, those are weird words. <laughs> I know. It's strange, but they make sense. Okay. Give me a sec. <laughs> in an interview, he said, quote, I had no idea what they were and nor did Mary. We thought it might have been something to do with her grandmother who was called Bridget with the same spelling as this word that kept coming to him. Okay. But he said, I also felt that Richard's body was pinned down so much so that I felt my own body was being compressed. Um, so soon after Dennis's visit on November 28th of 2007, um, so fishermen found Richard's remains in Lake Bridget near Bowdyke in County Clare. So these words that were coming to him mm. was an actual location. That makes more um, sense now. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, the, uh, the, the 
lake is called Bridget and the city or town or whatever is called Bodike. And those are two of the words that came to him. Okay. Um, two concrete slabs had been found tied to each of his legs, uh, which would give him the feeling of being weighed down that he was saying. Uh, they also found a tracksuit that matched the description of the one Richard was wearing the day he disappeared. That's a brutal way to go. I couldn't imagine. I hope to God he was dead before they threw him in there. As yeah. as mean as that sounds, I couldn't imagine just being, like, tossed over a bridge like that. Like, brutal. Gangs are brutal. Yeah. Uh, so Dennis McKenzie gave four names to the police that he believed were suspects in the case. As far as, I, as my research goes, the case still remains unsolved to this day. The police, I guess, never... I don't know if they followed the leads or just didn't look into it at all even though this guy found the body yeah um but at least his mother has some closure with the discovery of the remains it's said that she uh held a proper christian burial for her son and sort of felt better because of dennis's help um dennis continued to work on cases but would only do so at the request of the family he has said quote but it's completely against my principles to do anything of the sort without being expressly asked to do so by the parents when Holly and Jessica, who were the two girls I spoke about previously, went missing, 3,000 psychics wrote in to offer their theories, most of them accusing Holly's dad of the killings. I'm not like that. I wouldn't dream of intruding. So I thought that was kind of sweet. Like, he's not trying to sell himself as, like, a, yeah. you know, flea market psychic or anything like that. Like, he he wants to help, but not, you know, hurt a grieving family, I guess. Exactly. Um, like, he's not going to make assumptions, right? Until yeah so he seems he like a great guy all around and like i said he looked uh, he helped solve some other cases so please do look into him as well i think he's really cool the the case with the two little girls very sad but like also a really big case in the uk yeah um but yeah that's it this was a super fun one for me as morbid as that sounds it's that's hard to sort of wrap your head around stuff you just don't understand but what more proof do we need of psychic abilities uh, these are just three of several cases solved with the help of psychic abilities. Um, they kind of get a bad name because of, like, the circus and the television phonies, but can anyone honestly logic their way out of these cases? Nope. Nope. I nope. <laughs> think so. Nope. Being able to have, like, a psychic ability, that is awesome. Like, if you have that, that is a gift. I'm sure it's stressful, but, like... Oh, for sure. Use it. Especially if you can't, like, turn it off. Like, you just try to go to bed and then, like, some guy, like is just hanging out at the bottom of your bed being like this is how i died Be like i just want to sleep yeah <laughs> um this this last guy dennis mckenzie um again in an interview talked about how like difficult it is to have this this ability mm-hmm. and he said for a long time he tried to find out whether or not he was mentally ill because he was seeing and hearing people that weren't there and no mental illness genuinely Crazy. just seeing and hearing spirits yeah. or whatever you want to call them and it's so hard to be like like how do you say that's a thing you know what i mean like because you there's no, like, evidence to be, like, this is why you have these abilities. This yeah. Is how it happens. Like, no one has any idea. No one's bothered looking into it. They've just sort of, like, brushed it off as, like, a joke almost. Yeah. A farce. They're like, But huh. I think it's really cool. They're like, huh, you're schizophrenic and that's it. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, these are, like I said, these are just three cases of, you know, the list I was looking at had 15 cases, but that's just one list. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember being a kid watching uh, Sylvia Brown on the Montel oh, show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she's solved cases as well. Yeah. This is, this is a real thing that's happening. Whether or not you want to believe it, it's happening. <laughs> and I thought it was a cool way to celebrate episode 20 with a little bit of spooky and a little bit of murder also. I love that. Holly's Yay. trying to go after my heart right now and she's winning. I am. She is. Actually, I was going to propose to you tonight. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I, I was about to say I do, but I meant to say yes. It works. But I'll I do and it. yes, it works. Both. <laughs> we've had holly's drinking tonight holly's drinking tonight this has been a struggle for holly (laughs) danielle's drinking too as usual but holly is so it's crazy you know it's been another good week yeah (laughs) honestly no nothing like specifically bad has happened i'm just bored yeah i mean she's off for like a million years so Uh, my poor mother i kind of referenced your mom in this and i'll get to it and it's gonna be about falling down the stairs it's It's gonna be funny Let's get, it's kind of spooky. I'm giving you guys a history lesson because I'm fascinated with what I'm about to talk about. So I, I dug deep in history. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But there's, <laughs> there is spookiness to it. So you're welcome. Um, so I'm going to talk about the curse of King Tut. Oh. Yeah. So Not expected. I know. You're welcome. Um, so I'm just going to go into a little bit of King Tut's history. So about 3,300 years ago, King Tut... Um, was a pharaoh during Egypt's New Kingdom era. 
He was nine years old when he took the throne, but... <laughs> what? Yeah, nine. <laughs> but he was only king for about 10 years. He died around the age um, 18 or 19, and that was in 1324 BC. So a very, very long time ago. Yeah, so he died at 19 years old? They say between 18 and 19, but pretty fucking young. So, Ten year reign. Yeah, so he wasn't... <laughs> That's so baffling. He was nine years old when he became pharaoh a pharaoh that's insane yeah because there was no older woman that could do it i'm sure no not at all (laughs) i am fascinated with egypt's history i have so many books on it and my papa gave me so many books i know nothing about it i'm super into it i love like going to the museum and like seeing all the artifacts and stuff but i am so ignorant to their history i'm very into this right now it's it's kind of like crazy some of their history but it's just so fascinating to be able to like yeah but I'll get in. I'll get into it now because I, I just love how blingy everything is. That too, they're, and there's a lot of cats. Their caskets are just like jewels and solid gold. That's how I want to go. Yeah, right. That's what I know about Egypt. Yeah, <laughs> just solid gold and cats and <laughs> jewels, and that's it. That's it. And pyramids. Someone bury me in a pyramid with cats. With cats. Um. So it's been said that he um was like the pharaoh of wealth, and he was murdered. Um. Well, or so they say. Um, however, thanks to DNA, there's been some like really enlightening evidence on what he was like during his reign. Um, so there was a DNA study conducted. So I got a lot of my information from National Geographic because they're mm-hmm. awesome. So just a heads up to them. Um, and in this study, they used D- DNA from King Tut and 10 other royals. Um, so these other royals were expected to be a part of King Tut's family. So that's why they used them. Mm-hmm. Um, the DNA was taken from the bones and with all of this DNA, they were basically able to, like, create a family tree, which is nuts. That's so crazy. 3,000 years ago, and they're able to get DNA. Yeah. Isn't that We'd nuts? Pr- like, the bone marrow or just, like, the bone itself? Does it- they managed to get to extract DNA from the bone. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that cuckoo bananas? Science. Science. Science rules. Don't sue me, please. <laughs> um, so, in this, they determined that a mummy called kv 55 so they called them kv for um valley of the kings that's where all of them are buried Um, so kv 55 now named akatin i think so akatin we'll go with it it's i'm not saying king tut's full name because they don't know how to say it so (laughs) (laughs) akatin was king tut's father so that was his father and it's proven through dna so wait why couldn't he be king or did he die before king tut I don't. I didn't go into that history. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Holly's going way too logical right now. <laughs> so, Mummy KV35 was King Tut's grandfather, named Ahimhotep the Third, who was also a pharaoh. Um, King Tut was buried with two fetuses. They were both oh. stillborns, and the DNA proved they were his kids, who he fathered with his chief queen, Anaxenamun an ox and a moon wild yeah so pharaohs had multiple wives but like the chief queen was like their main lady pretty much their baby maker basically yeah wow yeah so a mummy previously called elder lady is now queen tai who is king tut's grandmother so she was married to ahimhotep the third so those were his grandparents that's all proven um, researchers found a mummy, which they named Younger Lady, and through <laughs> DNA, they had... So creative. Right? Because <laughs> they, they didn't... I don't think with the Younger Lady, I don't believe they f- um, found her in Valley of the Kings. Oh, uh, that's why she's in the KV. Yeah. But I'm speculating that's why, but I'm not quite sure. I didn't know. I don't know her KV number. If there is one, let me know. Um, but so they found her and through DNA, um, it has been proven to be King Tut's mom, but they aren't sure of her identity. Um, like they don't know who she was. Like they don't know her name, her history or anything like that. Gotcha. But they just know the DNA matches. Exactly. Yep. That's so cool. Yeah. And then this is where things get gross. So (laughs) DNA, right? So DNA shows that this younger lady was the daughter of Ohimotep the Third and Queen Tai, who is King Tut's grandparents, which mm-hmm. makes her husband, Akinten, King Tut, who is King Tut's dad, her brother. Oh, yeah. So it's one of them. Yeah. So people were speculating that King Tut's mom was actually Queen Nefertiti because she was Akinten's like chief wife. Yeah. 
um but the dna just proves otherwise so this younger lady she wasn't um the chief wife but she was one of the wives of king tut's dad interesting yeah isn't that and also his sister yeah (laughs) what a weird time that was like that was totally normal to them yeah and i'm pretty sure um king tut's chief wife it was like his like half sister or they they were related they were related somehow which is that ain't right right it's crazy but that was a very common thing like even in um gosh like the british royal family way back when and stuff keeping the bloodline pure and all that stuff yeah like totally normal back then yeah it's very true i have all sisters so i'm lucky it's (laughs) fine (laughs) so this is why dna is so freaking cool so through all of this they were able to basically bring out his family tree his yeah who he was related to do we know how long the um the mummies were like kept before they discovered all of this like yeah how long they were kv yeah i can i'll tell you i know i don't know when the other ones were discovered but it was basically like the early 1900s oh so like a while before they yeah figured out oh wow so they were buried for a very very long time that's cool yeah so um they were able to prove that king tut had a club foot <laughs> hence i was gonna make a joke about sheila Fuck. but now i mean oh my god that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> right so like <laughs> you know that she has to wear this like little shoe on her right foot because they took the cast off to see if it'll help her be more mobile and it kind of makes it look like she has a clubbed foot amazing <laughs> this weird little like safety booty that she has to i'm gonna take a picture later sheila my mom is, is king, king tut. tut i was about to say she is king tut amazing, amazing. <laughs> oh my god get out of my head <laughs> Um, so they were able to prove that he had a club foot, which was caused by necrosis, which is death of bone tissue. Oh. Yeah. Which means this would have been, like, hella painful, so he probably walked with a cane. Um. And it would have been, like, a, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a degenerative thing, right? Yeah. Like, it starts off and gets probably worse. builds for a few years, right? Yeah. And at that time, it, it wasn't, like, life-threatening. Like, it mm. would be eventually, but at that time, it wasn't really, like, a huge issue yeah um so they were saying like this this kid who was nine years old was like one of the great pharaohs and stuff but they just proved that like he was disabled like he had probably had a really hard time getting around like you wouldn't want to walk on that Um, yeah and however thanks to dna again it was proven that he had malaria so scientists found dna from a mosquito-borne parasite in his bones which is kind of cool because that's like the oldest recognized genetic proof of the disease that's insane isn't that crazy so so what you're saying is they depicted him as like being mighty and strong and stuff but actually he was essentially just slowly dying exactly yep wow. yep and they found more than one strain of the of um malaria I he hid that he was dying sorry i just thought of that like Maybe. if he like kept it from his people to keep up that image could it seems like a very kingy thing to do it does right doesn't it <laughs> so they found more than one strain of malaria in his dna so that's just saying that he fought malaria more than once in his short like wow. 18 years of life yep so malaria weakens the immune system so it would have like affected the healing of his club foot so the malaria the weakened immune system the oh. necrosis and apparently he had a fractured thigh bone so that was discovered in 2005 how do you um, break a thigh bone i have no idea but all of that would ultimately have killed him so aka he wasn't murdered oh he just slowly died at 19 years old yep yep interesting isn't that crazy um he, like reverse solved a case basically do you unsolved a case <laughs> dna is awesome i love dna i wish i was better in science when i was in high school because i always wanted to be like a forensic scientist of some sort yeah but also i hated writing uh lab reports so that, that didn't that didn't happen screw that okay so now i'm gonna go into like a little bit of the discovery of his tomb so after world war one ended which was 1918 i think are you asking i have no don't idea. no one i forgot to look it up no one yell at me but i'm pretty sure it was 1918 um, Listen, we're lucky we went to call or high school at all, let alone history class. <laughs> Mr. Beatty was awesome. We had the really great history. I didn't have Beatty for history. Oh, he was great. He was great. I had him for media or something. Oh, God, that's so boring. How do you go from <laughs> history to media? But yeah. Public school system. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> okay, so British archaeologist 
Howard Carter started searching for King Tut's tomb. So by this time, a lot of the Egyptian tombs were already discovered, but no one had mm-hmm. been able to find King Tut. Um, so he was like, hella said, I'm finding King Tut. He was like, I'm going to find this guy. He's going to be the dude. Yeah, he's going to be that dude. On November 4th, 1922, Howard and his team discovered a step that marked the entrance to King Tut's tomb. The tomb itself was discovered on November 26, 1922, more than 3,000 years after the, his death and 3,000 years of uninterrupted tranquility. So, <laughs> like, so he's probably pissed. He's pissed. Um, the tomb is located in Valley of the Kings. Howard was followed into the tomb by George Herbert. So Herbert actually funded the research and like this project. Okay. Um, and they found the chambers completely intact. So there was nothing wrong with them which is cool. That's wild. Right? So they started excavating the tomb over several years. I think it took like a full 10 years to get it like to get him out. Not to get him out, but to get like the tomb like perfect to like like restored almost. Yeah. And also like market, like getting all the evidence out to be like, this is this, this is that, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so they found four rooms completely filled with like knickknacks and treasure. So this included gold jewelry, chariots, statues, modeled boats the canopic jars so those held see this is how i want to go just put a whole bunch of fancy shit in there right like just that's all i want is four rooms of gold (laughs) and then my body laying there um so the canopic jars so those are the jars that held like the organs um gross (laughs) yep so chairs paintings canes they had canes in the tomb so remember his club foot. foot yep um oils dishes and of course king tut's tomb so there was over five thousand items in the tomb um king tut was um buried with a gold mask and it was made with 22 pounds of gold that was his death mask holy shit (laughs) right and so now the curse of the pharaohs so this curse is said to be cast upon anyone who disturbs um a mummy of ancient egypt so this curse can cause bad luck illness and death and does not distinguish between thieves and archaeologists so this curse is going to go after anybody yeah whoever fucks they it up give a shit. yeah it's going after you so anyone who disturbed the pharaoh's resting place basically gets cursed so so like what's his face and herbert yeah how are they doing <laughs> oh i'll get there i have victims and i'm going to talk about them um <laughs> yeah so when king tut's tomb was discovered it was obviously a huge news story Rumors started to spread and newspapers reported that there was a curse inscribed on the door to King Tut's tomb. It's also said that because the discovery of King Tut's tomb um, was like all the rage that in order to keep the media away, Howard put out a story saying that anyone who dares to disrupt the tomb will be a curse will be placed upon them. So (laughs) now Howard didn't invent like the story of like the curse of the pharaohs. Like he didn't make that up, but he definitely exploited it yeah just basically to keep people away i mean he wasn't fully lying yeah exactly (laughs) um so there are quite a few incidents and deaths that happened to the people who discovered the tomb and some people who were just kind of like visiting and like associated with it um so is there really a curse yeah i don't know maybe (laughs) so i'm just going to talk about some of the victims of this said curse so we'll start off with george herbert oh the guy with the money yeah the guy with the money he was the most high profile and notable death was george herbert he so he again financed the excavation of the tomb Mm -hmm. and he was right behind howard entering the tomb for the first time um so george ended up ripping open a mosquito bite on his face while he was shaving and this yeah this caused blood poisoning which he succumbed to uh shortly after what a bizarre death yeah so he a died curse like death if you will right so he died april 5th 1923 five months after the tomb was opened and just weeks after the press started reporting on the curse which got people's senses going like a mile a minute they're like oh my god he died from the curse so just yeah. hear me out he died from opening a mosquito bite malaria was involved <gasps> in king tut's death which a is mosquito-borne illness yeah a mosquito-borne illness crazy <laughs> crazy just hear me out it might sound a little bit weird awful cursey yeah isn't that creepy that sounds weird it sounds like a reach but it's like it's really not yeah it's in this it's it's in the same direction a little bit yeah Um, i'm giving it to you 100 b thank you appreciate it (laughs) um so now we have sir bruce ingham 
So Bruce wasn't part of the discovery, but he was friends with Howard, and Howard gave Bruce a paperweight as a gift. So this paperweight had consisted of a mummified hand wearing a bracelet. Gross. <laughs> if you ever gift me a fucking mummified hand, I will not be friends with you. I don't keep human remains, only animals. <laughs> I don't want a dead cat's arm either. <laughs> Guys, I collect taxidermy. I don't have dead things in my basement. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on this bracelet, it had a phrase that read, cursed by he who moves my body. Oh. Bruce's house burnt down a few weeks later, and then he tried to rebuild it, and it was hit by a flood. Fuck off. Yeah. So Did he give the hand back? <laughs> right. Just be like, you take it. So remember, this curse doesn't just kill people. It doesn't just kill people. It just apparently ruins their lives, yeah. too. Yep um so now we have george j gold so this guy visited the tomb in 1923 he was an american like super wealthy i think he like was involved in like railroads and stuff like that mm-hmm. so he got really sick after visiting the tomb like right away and he died of pneumonia a few months later which is like in that time pneumonia was a thing it it still is but a the thing. timing is just so oh, sketchy a little bit weird, so off right <laughs> um we have aaron ember this one I found kind of weird. So Aaron was an Egyptologist, but wasn't present. As I didn't a, even know that was a job. Right? That's kind of, I, I want that job. That's pretty cool. <laughs> no, you want to be an Irelandologist. I want to, yeah, true. I'd rather go to Ireland. <laughs> it's colder. I like the cold. Me too. I'm a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Episode 20, surprise! <laughs> um so he wasn't actually present at the time the tomb was discovered and like opened up but he was friends with a lot of people who were so in, which included like george herbert so in 1926 aaron's house burnt down after hosting a dinner party his wife told him to save a manuscript he was working on while she got their son like while the house was burning down she's like go get your manuscript i'm gonna go get our son <laughs> they all ended up dying priorities yeah <laughs> Well, their priorities aren't... I mean, get the sun and just leave. But they all ended up dying in the house. And you want to know the manuscript he was working on? It was called The Egypt Book of the Dead. Oh. Yeah. A little bit weird. Too coinky-dinky. Yeah. A little bit weird. Which is Holly way of saying it's too much of a coincidence. I don't <laughs> know if anyone would catch on to that. <laughs> also, side note, apologies if anyone hears heavy breathing. It's my dog. It's my dog. It's not Holly. She's not having a heart attack. Yeah, it's her dog. I haven't run up the stairs yet. So. <laughs> um, so we have Richard Bethel. So Richard was a secretary of George Herbert and also one of the first people. I don't know if it's Herbert or Herbit. So I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. I probably am. I like Herbert better. Yeah, we all know me. I'm, I'm terrible at it. So I apologize. <laughs> so he was also one of the first people to enter the tomb with these guys. So he was part of the team. He died in 1929. He was found smothered to death in a room at a gentleman's club in London. Oh, However, yeah. after his death... Smothered by the booty. <laughs> Poor aunt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> exactly. That's what how, a way to go. <laughs> that's on his death certificate now. We have to make it... Smothered by the booty. <laughs> it's past my bedtime already. It's 6.50. So... After his death, a newspaper by the name of Nottingham Post wrote, and I quote, The suggestion that Richard Bethel had come under the curse was raised last year when there was a series of mysterious fires at his home where some of the priceless finds of King Tut's tomb were stored. Interesting. So his house was burning down with King Tut's shit in it. So yeah, basically from finds where king tut's was like king tut stuff was stored that's where the fires were eh? yep and then he got sounds awful curse-ish right so i have three more people for you um so this curse has killed a lot of people if it yeah seriously yeah everyone who's ever even like spoken his name apparently is getting a curse yep so shit that means us (laughs) we're we'll be dead tomorrow so it's fine (laughs) the final spooky hour (laughs) (laughs) welcome to episode 20 our our episode 20 and our last episode so you're welcome bye guys um so there's sir archibald douglas reed badass name let me tell you it's a mouthful though damn it really is i had to breathe halfway through that i was like (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) i love that (laughs) this guy wasn't even part of the team so he didn't know anybody who discovered the tomb that like i could find however mr reed was a radiologist who x-rayed king tut like king tut's body 
um, before giving it to the museum authorities. So Reed got sick the very next day and was Ooh. dead within three days. So he died January oh, wow. 15th, 1924. After x-raying the body? Yep. Hmm. So I looked it up because I was like, this is weird. I'm like, I want to look this guy up. So I looked him up and because I also wanted to know how he died because it didn't say. Yeah. Um, so I found an article in the British Journal of Radiology and they wrote about his death. It was published in February 1924, so a month after. Um, it doesn't state how he died, but it says he died in Switzerland. And oh. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of reports saying his death is being associated with King Tut's curse, but, like, not. I'm not exactly sure the storyline, like, behind it. Like, I'm not sure if he was, like, in Egypt doing x-rays and just flew to Switzerland and died in Switzerland. No idea. So I'm not sure about that one, but I just wanted to point that out. Teleported? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, so now we have Gem... Gemery. <laughs> wow. Now we have James Henry Breasted. 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 Um, mm. <laughs> James was also an Egyptologist and was there for the excavation of King Tut's tomb. After this, he went home to find his canary had been eaten by a cobra. So oh, wow. Yeah. And the cobra was still in the bird's cage. So that's how we knew what it was eaten by. Um, so now the cobra is a symbol of Egypt monarchy. Monarchy? There we go. Um, so King Tut has a cobra on his death mask, and it means protection. Oh. So that's really ominous. And a cobra. Oh. Yeah. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. Yeah. Side note, cobras are some of my favorite snakes. Yeah. Of course that is. Side note. I have a list of favorite snakes. <laughs> of course she does. <laughs> Eyelash pit viper is the number one. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I just know there's snakes. I'm going to Google it. They're so cute. <laughs> See, I know history of Egypt and you know snakes. The important things. <laughs> um, so James died in 1935. So like a really long time after the discovery of the tomb. But his death was instantly after a trip to Egypt. So he went to Egypt, huh. came back and died. Interesting. Yeah. And now we have Howard Carter, the man who put this whole thing together, who discovered King Tut's tomb. So he founded this team, and he didn't die randomly. He didn't lose his house to any fires or floods. His death wasn't mysterious. He died of lymphoma at age 64. Lymphoma is cancer, correct? Correct. Okay. Pretty yeah. average. Yeah. So nothing happened to him? No. So he died of, like, like you know how you have your lymph nodes? Yeah. Those, he had cancer in oh. all his lymph nodes throughout his body. Oh, that's a hell of, ugh. Yeah, so, like... Bad. He died at age 64, so I'm not sure if, like, the pharaohs that decided like a... to spare him or... Interesting. Because you think... The so guy... there's the variable of the, is it a curse or is it just shitty luck? Yeah, and it's just, like, hella coincidence with every single person dying. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We love a variable. Right? So that is the story of King Tut's curse. I had no idea any of this. I thought that was super freaking cool. Yeah. Um, I, I knew who King Tut was, but I didn't know that, like, people died around him like that that's yeah. insane so apparently all the pharaohs like they all have like curses like that but like king tuts took it to like a whole new level of people dying yeah like everyone who even looked at him apparently kicked the bucket and i just like i was fascinated with that dna study yeah that's really cool that like at, at the time it was like three thousand years like no the time of their discovery was three thousand mm -hmm. years so like what four five thousand years and they still can find dna like i think that's so cool i think dna is the coolest yeah well i wish i was talented enough to work in it they, they guys found my dog is so needy right now he's just got his head on my lap of course he is of course he is i mean they they discovered him in 1918 so it wasn't like a thousand years it was the more like 200 extra years oh okay okay i thought it was okay i can't math fuck math is hard <laughs> but i i love the the his like the stories and everything behind mm -hmm. it like the you know he's got a cobra mask and he sent a cobra to kill this bird like the my mythology is the word i'm looking for yeah. the mythology behind it and people thought he was like the reign of terror no homeboy had a club foot that walked with a cane and there was canes and in died of tomb. malaria yeah. like he's not <laughs> he wasn't murdered he's just a man i remember oh my God. It, like, if we die tomorrow it was him it was yeah it was definitely him we're not making fun of you we're just telling your truths that's all through dna but it's just crazy because like growing up every new year's eve there would be like dinosaur like shows on new year's eve or like 
history shows, so I'd always watch them with my parents. And I remember watching a documentary of King Tut, and they basically said the whole thing, he was murdered the whole time. And now there's, like, this whole DNA study that's like, ha, you were lying. slowly died, basically. And they never found any, like, uh, signs of a murder or anything like that? Nope, not one bit. And go to, like, if you look up National Geographic, there's a whole thing on them, on King Tut and the DNA study. Go check it out. It's freaking cool. Just go read it. Um, but, yeah, that's all I, I got love for I love National Geographic. We used to have a, a whole room full of National Geographic books, oh, yeah. and every project I ever did from school was, that was my source. Yeah. You know what's wrong? That was fun. I can only think about, like, one major project I did in school, and it was the Beatles, and I went out and bought a Amazing. book of John Lennon. Well, it was on John Lennon. And I bought this book, and then I asked Holly's dad to help me with the project, and I didn't even need to buy the fucking book, because he basically did my whole project for me. I don't even remember that. <laughs> was this high school? Yes, it was high school. It was like that explains everything. Like grade 10. I know, yeah. I don't <laughs> Yep. But yeah, that was episode 20. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, I love me some psychic. Psychics. Uh, like, oh. I thought that was cool. I thought it was fun to add a little bit of Danielle to my story. That's it that's all that's all i got for you yeah thanks for thanks for sticking with us for 20 whole episodes yeah this has been quite a ride so far we're not done yet no and if you like our stuff go uh like subscribe and go give us some reviews because those help us Mm -hmm. so remember to do that for us because we love you and we know you love us too yeah (laughs) (laughs) and we just wanted to do a little shout out we usually we should do shout outs at the beginning but we're doing a shout out now well it just means they have to listen to the end to hear the shout out (laughs) (laughs) but we wanted to do a little shout out to our little we're calling you our australian family because you guys are the cutest things ever so we have a father named jamie uh his son named archie and i think that uh archie's mom slash uh jamie's wife also listen but uh we got a message from them saying that all three of them sit and listen to our podcast every monday as a family which I think is the cutest thing in the world. It really is. You guys broke our hearts. Like, we are so thankful for you guys. I think that's so cute. I wish that my family would listen to murder shows with me. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you guys for your support. Um, It's baffling that you're in Australia and you listen to us. Like, that's literally the other side of the world. Um, You guys comment on everything. You like everything. You guys are just the best. Yeah, you really are. And we post our, like, episodes on Monday, and you guys are usually, like, a day ahead of us. So, like, thank you for putting up with our delayed posts and everything. So, you guys are awesome. So, thank you. Thank you. But we just wanted to say thanks to everybody. We all love you. Well, we all love you. Me and Holly love you. All of us. All of us. All 12 of our personalities. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But you can come find us on Instagram and all of the social media. So, you can come find us on any social media um, we are on Instagram at a spooky hour podcast. You can find us on Twitter at spooky hour and you can email us in your crazy personal stories. If you would like to, to be featured on an episode, our email is the spooky hour podcast, six, six, six at gmail.com. If you go to our Instagram, there's an email button to make it easier for you. Mm-hmm. But if you are participating in the protests, again, yes, be, just safe. be safe, be smart, be loud. We support your message 100%, even though we're not there in person, but we're, we're 100% behind you. There goes my phone. Um, we did mention, uh, I don't want to make this about us, but we did send a donation to the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the Toronto-based one, our local. Um, and we just, again, want to reiterate that this is not something that goes away. Uh, it's not something that stops. We're going to keep doing our best to, to bring the movement forward, and yep. we hope that you do too. Exactly. So play your part, do your part, and... <laughs> Be nice. What, what is it you say all the time? Just be a nice fucking person. Yeah. Be a genuine, <laughs> nice human being. Love everybody love around it. you. Well, cheers, guys. Cheers. And stay spooky. Stay loud and spooky. Loud and spooky. I like that. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.